and uh, methodologies uh, by uh, Thomas from uh, Google. Thank you. Can everyone hear me fine? Awesome. Thanks for coming here this morning. Uh, I know it's early and it's the day after the social event. I'm surprised to see so many of you. But yeah, so let's, let's get started. So why are you here today? So AKA, what, what is this talk going to be about? Um, it's going to cover a big chunk of the forensics tools that we use. Um, all of which are free and open source software. That's why I'm here. Um, and, you know, because a bunch of tools in a list is a bit boring, I'm going to try and illustrate how we use the tools uh, with a scenario of a compromise. So, exciting times ahead. We're going to talk about GUR, Plazo, TimeSketch, TimeWolf, and Turbinia. That's a lot of tools, but I hope I can get it all in uh, 30 minutes. So, why am I here today? Um, so I work at uh, Google in the incident response team. I do forensics, incident response, and a lot of software engineering. Um, I write code. I use the code I write to do my daily tasks. Uh, I'm one of the core devs of uh, DF TimeWolf that I'll talk about. And my main goal is kind of try to automate myself out of a job, or as the GER team used to say, replace ourselves with a small Python script. And then GER was born, and you know the rest of the story. Um, we're in the sweet spot that many teams have, I guess. Uh, Alex has the same teams, uh, the same spot, where we write the tools that we use and we use the tools that we write, so we have like a direct feedback loop whenever we need to, uh, to change our tools or to adjust them, and that's pretty good. We don't rely on external teams except for GUR, because GUR has become a pretty big beast, um, but yeah. So instead of droning on for... Uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes that are left about tools, I'm going to take you on a cyber hacker adventure with a scenario uh, of a compromise. So a disclaimer, none of what I'm going to talk about next is true. It is all false except for the demos. Those are true and they have been recorded on video in case the demo gods fail. So let's talk a bit about our victim. Um, who knows about Greendale uh, Polytechnic? You do? Cool. Well, it doesn't exist, so... <laughs> what? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's a different thing. Um, anyways, so everyone's on semester break. It's the month of June or July or whatever. It's hot. And then someone, like the sysadmin that's left there to make sure things are running, he gets a tip and uh, says, hey, there's a phishing website that targets graindale.xyz. So he's like, oh, okay, this happens uh, every time in a while. He doesn't have any proxies, no logs, you know, students install lots of stuff on their machines. He only has GUR, which is, you know, a good place to start anyways. So who knows about GUR here? Okay, that's a lot of people. Agent-based remote forensics tool, so basically a software you install on your endpoints in your network, and then you can uh, query them and ask for specific artifacts uh, in the system. So it's cross-platform. It works on Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. Um, the goal is to be able to tell either a couple of hosts, okay, send me all the browsing history you have uh, for those hosts, or you can also do what we call hunts, and it's like a fleet-wide uh, artifact collection. So you can say, I want the browsing history of all the computers on my fleet. Uh, it does file collection, artifact collection. I mentioned artifacts three times. Uh, you may know artifacts if you do instant response, as you know, this is like the kind of file that is dropped by malware. Um, we're maintaining a GitHub uh, repo called Forensic Artifacts. 
that kind of enumerates and structures the way, uh, can you see my mouse? Yeah. It structures the way artifacts are defined and built. So basically you can have a user's shell history that enumerates, you know, common unique user shell history files. You have the attributes here. Uh, you have a couple labels. And then you can also say like, okay, I want to extend my artifact and build another artifact on it with the all users shell history. So this one will contain the user shell history and the root user shell history, which are, which are different paths. So it's a cool way to define stuff that you want to grab uh, from, uh, from, uh, from machines. Who knows about Plasso? Cool. So Plasso, what, what Plasso does is it's going to iterate over files and it's going to parse them and extract timeline information out of them. Um, so it can be almost any file you can imagine. It can be, uh, you know, come on event logs. It could be uh, a hard drive image, like a DD file. It can also work on that. It can be a zip file. If it's a zip file, it will parse it and go inside the zip file and then parse the files that are inside it, extract a timeline. It can be if your, you know, your user shell history file, if it has timestamps, it's going to understand them and it's going to parse them out and create a timeline of your uh, shell history. So basically, timeline, all the things. It's a pretty cool tool. Um, not super easy to start to getting work, but we're working on that. Uh, but if you use it, then uh, I, I would recommend it. Who knows about TimeSketch? Cool. TimeSketch is the user-friendly interface to whatever Plazo outputs. So it's basically a forensics timeline visualization tool uh, that allows you to uh, cross-reference the timelines that are produced by, by Plazo. I'll demo this in a second, uh, but you can see here, like, these are different colors, and they correspond to timelines from different systems. So then you can see what happened on hosts at the same time in different, in different systems. So it plays well with Plasso, of course. It's multi-user, multi-case, and a multi-timeline, so you can do a bunch of fun stuff with it. DF TimeWolf, this is a bit new, I guess. It's basically the glue between all these systems. So it's a CLI tool that allows me to quickly say, okay, I want to see all the browsing history from these hosts, process it through uh, Plasso, and then uh, punt it to TimeSketch. It works with modules, which are like classes uh, in, in each, uh, that, that collects each information. And all these modules are instrumented through recipes. That's the way we call it. So this is a kind of an example of how this works. So this is like the command line interface tool. This is all I need to type in my, uh, in my CLI to get a time sketch, sketch 666. And it's going to say, it's going to call Gur and say, hey Gur, uh, give me whatever you want from, give me the, well, in this case, it's a default set of artifacts, but give me a default set of artifacts from TomChop and, you know, this will output it to a local file system and then you can call Plaza on it. And then this is going to produce a Plaza file and then you can send it to TimeSketch and you only get the end, the end sketch as a result. This is the way recipes are uh, built. So you can see the uh, modules here. Uh, this is just uh, a local Plaza recipe, so basically it means, you know, process these files and send them to TimeSketch on, on my file system. You can select, like, uh, attributes and stuff and arguments. So the, the idea is to be collected. So back to the case. So Grendel.xyz, that kind of, it's, it's pretty bad. It kind of looks targeted because it seems familiar. It, it's pretty similar to the name of the university, so... Let's try to see for uh, let's try to see how browsing artifacts work. So, this is basically the flow that will happen. DF Time Wolf will ask her, "Hey, Gur, hunt for browser artifacts on the whole fleet." 
Anger will say, okay, here's your uh, hunt ID, uh, 1345345. Uh, you know, check back later, because when you're hunting on maybe five hosts, it can go pretty fast. When it's like 200,000 hosts, you know, some of them may be offline, so this is completely uh, asynchronous. This is what it looks like. Can you guys see anything? Okay, cool. So these are a list of uh, recipes here. We're going to use the gerhunt artifacts that starts a gerhunt for the default set of artifacts. Um, you can select a comma separate list of artifacts, and let me show you what it looks like. The execution. There you go. So we, we hunt here gerhunt artifacts for browser history, <coughs> and this is the reason the external tip that we need to provide here. This is for basically documentation purposes, and it will it can also be used like a, as a time sketch uh, description, for instance. There you go, so the hunt has been created successfully. This is the hunt ID, which is completely random. Uh, so that was exciting times. <laughs> so this is what happens when you want to grab the processes of a... This is what happens when you need to grab the results of a hunt and send them to TypeSketch. So you ask GUR for the hunt results, they provide a file with a zip file containing all the hunt results. This goes through Plasso and then to TimeSketch again. This is a bit too small, I guess. So you can see log to timeline, which is the other name for Plasso. We're very bad at names, very bad at names, and also logos. Um, it's running all the things and you can see it's like just one single command line, and you get the end result is just basically a sketch in time sketch. Uh, and if we open this on our uh, time sketch server, we get this. So just to recap a bit, this we have this domain, and we want to see if the phishing domain was contacted by anyone on our university. So this is where we run the browser uh, history hunt. And these are the results of the hunt. So you can specify filters here. Uh, this is basically Elasticsearch running behind it. And if we punted the domain, we can see like, oh, there's a file that has been downloaded from this Greendale Academic Calendar. That's it. Hmm, that sounds nasty. And we can also see like, you know, other hits related to this uh, last visited time, expiration time from the cache, that kind of stuff. TimeSketch is cool in the way you can add comments in events that you find interesting. And it's really made to, do, to be a collaborative analysis tool between uh, analysts. You can select events, and you can save them, so you will be able to add them to uh, what we call stories. Let me see if I can fast forward. So if you, if you select events, you can also do uh, save searches, so people can like just, you know, you have a save search, and you want to send it to someone, and they can instantly see what you're doing. These safe search are used in the stories where you can, it's like the more high level report, you can type some stuff. And the cool thing is that you can include the safe searches that you, uh, that you uh, built before. So in that way you can have like, okay, so I dug into this you know, uh, domain, uh, these are the results that I get, you know, onto you, I'm going home, it's 6 p.m., whatever. So the file dropped is academic calendar, it might be worth checking out, headed home, goodbye. So if you open academiccalendar.zip, there's a calendar.js file. Is it really a JavaScript calendar, though, or is it you know, a stage one dropper? Hmm, that sounds pretty bad. 
oh, and you know, you open it, this definitely doesn't look like a calendar. And uh, does anyone know the encryption that is used here? Rot 14, almost. <laughs> so this was like kind of produced by us too for simulation purposes. And if you deobfuscate it, this, this advanced encryption scheme, you get, well, you know, uh, student-greendale xyz domain. So this is getting worse and worse. And this is pretty bad because you're checking for the, you know, the AD domain. And, you know, it only targets computers registered in the Greendale domain. So at this point, uh, it might be worth digging a bit deeper. Um, so if we, if we, like, try to summarize what we have, we have a JS calling student-greendale.xyz and setting up persistence, if you look here, in keep.bat startup. So this is very advanced persistence, right? But what is cool is that we can still use GUR to kind of find uh, these, uh, these artifacts with, well, exactly these artifacts. So with Windows persistent mechanism, Windows user registry files, and, you know, system registry files to see if anything else has been dropped. So this is what it looks like. So you can select, like, the host, and you, you can, this is the reason that you're using for documentation purposes and you select like a bunch of artifacts and you say, okay, you already have a sketch ID, which is the one that you started earlier, so you just want to add the whatever timelines are outputted to this sketch. So in this, this is synchronous because we're focusing on a specific host, which is the one that was uh, browsing on the website. So it's going to launch the flow, GUR is going to answer with the, with the flow ID, it's going to wait until it finishes. We're not going to wait though. It's going to process it with Plasso. We're not going to wait either. And it will export it to TimeSketch on Sketch 31, which is the one that we were using before. So these are the contents of keep.bat. I'm not going to make the same joke again. This is base 64 and not base 65. So if we decrypt it, we get something like this. You know, there's like a nasty PowerShell uh, stuff. It goes to, this calls back to a legitimate businessmen's.club, which sounds very legit. Uh, there's like an encryption key. Uh, uh, you can probably, I don't know, maybe this is a snippet, but there was some RC4 involved at some point. So now we have a bunch of IOCs. We have academic calendar.zip. We have secure.script, which is the second stage. Where did that go? I missed it here. Okay, this, this is the analysis of, uh, of the execution artifacts that we found earlier. So if we go to startup items, so this, I cheated a bit because startup items is like a search that is supposed to be saved. Just so we go faster, we can specify like data types. Okay, so this is like the app compat cache. And we're going to filter the things with startup because we know that the, the script uh, goes in there. And if we have a look at this, then we see, okay, so there's like a keep.bat thing, startup, that's pretty bad. Uh, we can save the selection in another save view. We go to the stories again, and, you know, we can augment this with, uh, with yet another uh, choose the view, keep bat, bat, and we can see things this way. So as you investigate and as you add things, you can, you know, enhance your story a bit and um, 
So yeah, we have all of this, and you know, this is probably fine. We're not getting owned at all. There's like three domains. It seems pretty targeted. So you know, we have to continue. But fortunately, not a lot of people clicked on the Grendale uh, domain. But you know, it's kind of worth digging a bit deeper. So the very common hacking technique of uh, open directories, we see this. So mm, we know about the academic calendar. We kind of know about SecureScript, but bash.sh, we don't know about that one. So we're going to use our hacker skills and ping to deploy some kind of VPN and very stealthily recover this uh, bash.sh, which turns out to be base64 again, but this time in Python. And it pings again to legitimate businessman club, and this is the RC4 thingy I mentioned before. So, well, this is not, you know, uh, maybe not a nation state, but still sounds pretty targeted, and they're targeting, you know, Windows and also Linux, or at least something that can run bash scripts. So if we want to check if this bash script was run anywhere, we can, of course, use, again, TimeWolfger, TimeSketch and Company, we create the hunt because we want to know if it's been run on any of the tools that we have. And these are the results of the hunt. They go through log to timeline and they're exported again in sketch ID 31. So it's also pretty cool. And this might be the most interesting part. Um, so here you can see like th these are all the logs of the history files of the computers that the, the information was retrieved from. If you look very closely when I search for this, uh, basically what you see is me installing GUR on machines and you know running this because for, for demo purposes. But still pretty interesting to see all the cross-referenced uh, instances. So we find this again and oh wow it's like curl pipe bash. There was a talk about curl the other day, a rump. I was like, yeah, this curl is pretty good for doing reverse shells and that kind of stuff, so I'm interested. Um, we can see it comes from this uh, UID, and we can start writing uh, you know, our story again. So this is like hmm, some very bad curl hacking. Uh, these are all, if you can see here, like, okay, this is like curl, and this is like actually my curl executable, uh, and this is the command I used. And these are all the different hosts and the time where this command was executed. So it's a pretty cool view if you want to have a good view of your incident on a time axis. I'm pretty sure there's other ways to represent incidents. Time is a pretty good pivot most, most of the time. And this is what time sketch is all about. And then you can add it to your story again. You know, I checked the website. Probably shouldn't write that down, but anyways. Uh, and check for this. This has been run once. We need to dig deeper and also markdown support, so that's pretty cool. So we got one hit. The thing is, you know, Greendale University has been migrating all their infrastructure to the cloud. So maybe this complicates things, maybe not. Can DF Time Wolf help? Well, of course it can. This is a recipe that we're gonna open source soon. Uh, as soon as we get it cleaned up, uh, GCP Forensics. So GCP is Google Cloud Platform. And what this does is, okay, so you have like a Greendale Cloud Project. That sounds good. Uh, a Google Cloud Project. And in there you have Greendale Admin, which is you know, a VM instance that has been running. 
So with only one command, the cool thing is you can make a copy of that disk, the disk attached to the VM you want to analyze. It will make a snapshot of the disk. It will create a duplicate in your own analysis project. So this is Greendell analysis. And it will spin up a VM uh, that has all the tools installed and attach the disk to it. So all you need to do, in fact, is just wait for the disk to copy, of course. And then you can SSH into your VM. You have it here. So this is your, the VM name. And this is uh, the disk that is the forensic copy of the disk that has been attached to the VM. I have no idea about the soundness of the forensics copy, but most of the time it's good enough uh, and it yields interesting results. So now you can just SSH into your instance, uh, copy some stuff, and start doing, uh, you know, maybe installing tools, even though most of them can already be installed there. Um, and you can start doing things and investigating your case. But what if you're lazy? So who knows about Turbinia? No one. That's normal. We didn't talk much about this. So it also has a pretty good logo. This kind of looks like a flying ham. But uh, <laughs> we, we love it. We love it very much. It's about to be remade, but still. So the TLDR of Turbinia is basically automation of any kind of forensic analysis tools you want in the cloud. Because running Plazo on your laptop is one thing. It will take some time. Your laptop will overheat because it's always processing. When you get the cloud and you can have like, you know, 64 gigs of RAMs and, you know, uh, 32 cores, it can make things go faster and easier. And also you don't have to keep your laptop open for the whole uh, analysis. So you can, you can think of Turbini as a forensic task scheduler if for things that require a lot of processing or that you want to do in an asynchronous way. And the cool thing is that Time Wolf allows you to say, okay, Turbini, I grab this, this piece of cloud evidence, run Plazo on it, and dump the results in a cloud bucket. So then I can just grab the results and send them to TimeSketch. So this may not be clear. So this is like what it looks like. TimeWolf says, hey, uh, Greendell admin, please cop do a copy of the disk. OK, here's the, you know, the new disk that has been copied. And you, know, you ask Turbini, OK, you have this disk in the cloud. So the disks and the evidence never comes back to you. It's all out there somewhere. Turbinia says, OK, you know, this is, I've done the processing. You can grab your uh, Plasso file from this uh, Google Cloud bucket. And TimeWolf just has to grab the Plasso file and send it back to TypeSketch. This is kind of how it works now. The idea is also to keep on working on this. And you know, why grab the Plasso file when you can just probably just send it to, to uh, TimeSketch directly? Uh, but yeah, so TimeWolf also has like a very small and simple recipe that allows you to upload you know, the set Plaza file to TimeSketch really easily. You can, you can think of it as you, know, you don't want to spin up your web browser to upload a Plaza file. You can just use uh, TimeWolf from the CLI. You can maybe script it with lots of source files, and you can send them to, um, to TimeSketch this way. So in this case, you know, a new sketch was created because I didn't provide the sketch flag. Uh, I don't think. This is very annoying. But the good thing is, well, you know, disaster averted. We didn't find any traces of further compromise. And, you know, passwords are so uh, 2012 because, you know, everyone has 2FA in Greendale, so that's pretty cool. If you don't have 2FA, you should get 2FA everywhere. It's essential. And, uh, well, you know, we determined that the attacker's objectives was, you know, to disrupt the launch of Greendale's new 
PhD program in AC flow studies. And fun fact, I learned that this kind of was a real thing in some universities, so I was pretty surprised about that. <laughs> so if you want to take away some stuff from this uh, talk, is that these are open source tools. I know Google has this reputation to make things that only works for them, but we're trying really hard to make them uh, work for everyone. Uh, we accept pull requests, uh, feature requests, daily you know, usage, nits. We're here to help. They are used daily by us, so it's not something that some team in a cave wrote and you know, no one uses it. We use them, so they work for us, and we really like them to work for you too if these are things that you need. It's a capacity that you need. Everything is Apache 2, so you can probably use it everywhere. Um, and just a small uh, plug before, before we, we finish here. These tools, this was like a very small subset of what all these tools can do. Uh, but you know, GUR can also do some memory analysis. It can also do some host timelining if you don't have uh, uh, lots of timeline. Plaza, well, Plaza timelines everything, like really a lot of formats. I don't know if you're familiar with Libyal, but that's like the work that uh, a reverse engineering, almost any file format you can imagine. TimeWolf can basically chain anything that has an API, not only the tools that we've seen. So if you want to plug it into, for instance, a thread intelligence system before you send results to TimeSketch, or if you want to tag results in TimeSketch with thread intelligence from another system, that's something you can do with this. TimeSketch has a pretty cool histogram and heat map view. So you can have different views of, uh, of, your, uh, of your data and also does graphs. So you can tell it, oh, show me all the AD logins used, uh, or all the computers where this user has logged in in a time span of 20 minutes, and it will show you a, a cool graph representing this. Turbinia does everything that is repetitive and parallelizable. Um, and yeah, these are the links, basically. So GUR is under the Google repo, and most of the other tools are under the log to timeline repo, because we like to put things anywhere. Uh, we have logos. Time Wolf is a cool wolf eating a watch. That's pretty cool. And a Turbinia is a flying hand, but that will change soon, I hope. That's all for me. If you guys have any questions, I'm happy to take them. Thanks. No questions. Uh, do, do you plan to make the well, tools like Turbinia, for example, pluggable into any um, like private cloud infrastructure? Yes. So Turbinia is not at all bound on uh, Google's cloud uh, infrastructure. It's the infrastructure we use, so this is what we focus more on. But I know that other companies are also using Turbinia and deploying it on uh, AWS or other infrastructures. In fact, I think Facebook is giving a talk or a workshop soon uh, about deploying Turbinia for non-Google users. So that might be pretty interesting. No other questions. You all want coffee, right? I know. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Okay, so uh, 20 minute pause. Uh, try to be back uh, by uh, <laughs> half.